Welcome to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And we are coming off of an open that took place in New Mexico. So lots of uh, fun stuff to talk about from that event. We've got some news around the league with some team transactions. We've got some more draft grades coming for you and our overreaction to Monday section, plus some board bets. So we've got some uh, board lines for the man of the year, woman of the year, and devil's team of the year that we're going to go through. So lots of uh, good stuff to get to. Um, but how was your weekend with the Open? Did you guys get to watch it? Uh, was it easy to watch? Were you doing it in between things? There was football on. Let's hear it. Well, all I yeah. know is your uh, your cornhole date, I think, ditched you, didn't, didn't he, Mish? Worst date ever. I was so excited because, <laughs> because Rome had a sleepover, like a birthday party sleepover. So Nick and I had the house to ourselves. And I was like, let's get some good food. We'll get some good wine. Cornhole's on. I like put it on. I look over. He's getting all like cozy on the couch. I'm like, oh, I lost him. Yeah. Now that was at like five o'clock, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I ate dinner by Ego. myself. I drank wine by myself. <laughs> Yeah, the party keeps going whether you're with me or not. So, that's not <laughs> yeah. Well, I have COVID, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of fun. yeah, that sucks. I was home. I'm on the up end of it now, so you can probably still hear it a little bit. But uh, yeah, I haven't had, I haven't left the house in what five days. So yeah. I'm, uh, I if I test today, the CDC says my test day is today. I should be able to test if I test negative. I can leave tomorrow. So that's, so fingers crossed. You're on fingers house crossed. Yeah, I get it. Yes. <laughs> but I get to watch, I did. I watched cornhole all weekend and football. So I watched, I even watched some college basketball, which I'm not oh. a huge basketball guy, but I apparently Clemson figured out how to play basketball this year. So apparently I need to watch a little uh -oh. bit more basketball. So maybe add that to the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Anthony? Yeah, actually, I think it was about this time I got COVID uh, the same time of year because we were going into National 1 two, three years ago, and this was back when I was a pro. So, you know, you're getting all pumped for the first event. It was like end of January, beginning of February, and I, I couldn't make the trip because I, I got the COVID. So that one hit me just at a bad time. But, <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, otherwise, this week, no cornhole for me this, Mish, uh, this week, Misha. Um, a lot of basketball, um, doubleheader yesterday or on Saturday, and then I had to get in some of that administrative stuff. You know, it's like tax season. My wife's, uh, you know, a realtor, so she has. I'm, I'm her accountant for that, so that sucks. So I'm just starting to like go through <laughs> all of that. You know, drive logs, expenses, and then I've got you know a couple side hustles too. So I'm trying to go through all that. So I haven't thrown a bag in probably four or five days. So this is this is why this is why we just you know. Can't really level up. I'm just happy to like maintain where I'm at in this game. As, you know, you go days without throwing. Shame. Just trying to maintain. I'm trying not to go down. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. All right. Well, let's get into open number seven that we did get to watch, at least for those of us who didn't get to throw. Um, great cornhole. Really some impressive standout players. I know for me, Yeti Irwan was a standout. Bella was a standout. Um, that little kid. Is it Broden? Braden. Braden Wilson. Oh my goodness. Could he be any cuter? And he's so good. You're like, you're not so cute anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Beating up on people. And he's like 10. Yeah, he was nice. He was really yeah, nice. Yeah, it was it was it was incredible to watch. Incredible. 
but we'll get into the details of it. Uh, Trey, why don't you start us off? I I think he hit some good, uh, real good, you know, highlights there, Mish. I mean, Yeti was was just relentless. Um, she beat Cheyenne Bubenheim twice, which we don't see a lot. Now I have plenty to well, say about Cheyenne Bubenheim, well. but. Oh, hold on, though. Don't get him started. Don't get, him <laughs> Don't started. get me started. So angry. Don't get me started. Uh, you know what? Actually, no, I'm going to start. I'm going to start right now. Okay. okay. So what is going on? Why is Cheyenne Bubenheim throwing carpet? Anthony, I, I just want you to just just – I don't know. Just give me any good possible reason why Cheyenne Bubenheim is throwing carpet. I see in the comments, everybody's like, man, when she figures out this carpet, she's going to be deadly. She was deadly throwing that carpet. Why? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I get the idea of trying to develop a better, but she was a mastermind of pushing through blocks with yeah. what we had. What is it about the dirty game that you are trying to develop that you don't think you have? Is it a roll bag? Like, do you need a roll bag that bad to get to, to get yourself in a position where you feel like you're an elite top 10 player? Like, Mark Richards won the world championship not ever throwing a, a single roll bag all season. We've never had a roll bag player win a world championship. So I just... I don't know. I, I I am mind blown here as to how we're sitting here talking about on Monday. And I don't know if, if, if this is the route she's going to go. Now, if she's just testing it out, it's one thing. But if this is the route Cheyenne Bubenheim's going to go, I wouldn't consider the favorite to win Woman of the Year. I wouldn't. I mean, I, I just – I liked what she did of, like, only picking up one bag at a time. Like, I like that that's a new thing that she's developing because it's going to let her reset on every single bag. But I cannot for the life of me think of why Cheyenne Bubenheim is throwing carpet. So uh, I'll get off my little my little. So <laughs> but, um, just a shock to me. You mentioned Bella Soprenant, an incredible weekend. She is showing that next step, right? And it was, I think she moved away from wanting to throw a roll every single round. And she said, okay, I know I have this in my arsenal, but not. let's not make it option A. Let's make it option B. But knowing my option B is pretty damn good is going to make me a really strong player in the long run. Um, Carson Getty and Ian Cripps were just electric breakout players that – you know, last season, I think, I think, you know, I tweeted this out. I think if you took all the final four and open singles, you took Carson Getty, Ian Cripps, uh, Ryan Windsor, and Nico Morales, and asked them last season, how did they do? They'd all probably say they underperformed by their own standards. So this year, I kind of consider all of them in that breakout player category. You probably can't put Ryan Windsor in there just because he's such a decorated player. But the point still remains the same, more of a comeback type of type of scenario for all four players. And they all showed out. I saw a different type of Carson Getty than I've seen really ever. And I don't know if you guys remember a few opens ago, maybe it was last open, the open before, he beat Matt Guy in singles. And it almost feels like ever since then, he has had a little bit of an uptick in his performance. And we saw it here on full display. Those airmails were no hesitation Boom. and deadly. I mean, 
the percentage he hit on the airmails, like anecdotally, looked to me about 75%, which is an elite, elite level when you talk about winning winning championships. So uh, those all, you know, those obviously stuck out to me. Moses and Peter get the job done in doubles. Moses in particular is kind of continuing that hype train that he started mid-year last year. But Peter, if him and Peter can have this great back and forth, I mean, they're going to be tough to beat this season. Um, last person I think worth mentioning on my end is Eddie Grindersleeve. Every time I watch Eddie Grindersleeve play, I find myself continuously still surprised for some reason how good he is. Yep. He'll, he'll, he'll play a game, and I'm like, holy crap, this guy's really good at court. <laughs> like, this guy, like, shouldn't lose if he throws like that. And then he does it game after game after game. He's just one of those sneaky players that always, always finds a way in there. Maybe it's because of his quiet personality. But I think Eddie Grindersleeve has a chance to make another really, really strong run this season to be another possibly top 10 player if he throws like he did this this past weekend. So a lot of cool different things came out of the open. We saw some a lot of breakout players this weekend instead of those top pros continuing to dominate like they yeah. have uh, over the course of the season. But um, but yeah, those are those are my call outs there. Well, Anthony, what do you got to say about Cheyenne? <laughs> Yeah, I mean the only thing the only thing that could come to mind. So my first thought was this is sponsorship driven, you know, trying to steal some market share in the slow bag game. You got the shag coming out, you know. I can see all cornhole going. Hey, here's a thousand bucks. Go throw this bag in the open, and if you win, we'll give you an extra thousand. But I think we've confirmed that that's not the case. So my only thought is is speed control. You know, maybe Cheyenne is thinking, I need to hang out around the hole a little bit more around the front of the hole. She doesn't need a carpet bag to do that, though. There's a lot of other bags out there. I think hole friendliness is going to be important for her style of game. She doesn't need a carpet bag. She's not rolling, but you can still level up your game with speed control and staying in front of the hole. Uh, and she has a strong push game to match that. So I don't necessarily think she needs a carpet bag to do that, but that's really the only thing that comes to mind. I think she was maybe like 22 or 20 low twenties. And she's going, how do I get to top 10? Is it through a speed control game uh, with traffic in front? That's the only thing that comes to mind, but I agree. Uh, I agree with you, Trey. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix then throw, it. Then throw the all slide 2.0. Yes. Like wh why are we going from an all slide to, to a carpet bag? Like that's, that's not a small change. No That's doubt. a drastic move. I mean, I, like I said, I'd throw the I'd throw the 2.0. The 2.0 is a slower version of the all slide that you can get much more control in. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, but yeah, I'll just kind of run through uh, singles first here, Misha. Yeah, that final four you mentioned, Trey, really blew my mind. Cripps, Windsor, Morellis, and Getty, right? Windsor, okay, yeah, that makes sense, of course. Morellis, okay. I mean, he was kind of due. He was due for something like that. I can see that happen. But Crips and Getty, it was like, what is going on? And I'm loving it, right? I love seeing new baggers break through to the top. And I think that's where the game will evolve as we start to see the talent kind of level out. We're going to see new faces constantly creeping out into bracket wins. Um, but yeah, Crips wins his bracket. He had Cano, Ferreira, and Ryan Smith in that bracket. Windsor won his bracket with Zaft and Grindersleeve in there. You talked about how good he played. Morellis had a really, really tough bracket. It was it was actually quite stacked. Caden Allen takes third. Philip Lopez in his bracket fourth. 
Ryan Wiedenfield, seventh. Foreman was in there, ninth. Batson was in there, 13th. Camba, 13th. And the National Tamp Creek Killer, 17th. Uh, so that was a pretty stacked bracket. And then Getty also had a tough bracket. Ryan, Turpin, JBJ, Halbert, Cheyenne, and Alex Hicks. But I'm super happy just to speak to Nico Morales really quick. I mean, just breaking out as in a bracket win, it was just a matter of time for this guy. But Mish, my guy Nico shoots a lot of damn airmail. Did you see that? Yes. I mean, a lot of airmail. I, I struggled with a lot of them. Um, I mean... So he's got a ridiculous airmail. I think top five to 10% in the pro division, but scaling that back just mm -hmm. a little bit, especially on level one, one and a halfs with pitch one through three, I think will go a long way in leveling up him and really explains why his stats were so good last year. And he finished 102nd. If, if you're throwing not, that many airmail, you're not getting the wins. You're going to have good stats, but a lot of losses. So if he yeah. can kind of curb that a little bit, I think that's going to really level him up. Um, Crips, just good all weekend. Um, pretty much dominated his bracket. He gave up five points to Seals. He only allowed four points against Shibner. Ferreira got eight points, and Kano got ten. And the kid, he's just so damn nice and so humble. Like, I want to <laughs> root for him. Like, I will root for him all day. Um, super composed, especially when things weren't going his way. He really, I mean, for a 12-year-old, he really just remained really focused and just went through the tough rounds, keeping an eye on the end game there. So I was really impressed with that. But the champ, Carson Getty, getting it done here at open number seven. You mentioned it right out of the gate. My note here is Aramel was fire, and it was clutch against Bella. He had to hit that stay alive Aramel. He was pretty much done. He just, no hesitation, just shot it. He hit it, and he was kind of like, oh, I'm back in this. If Bella misses her next bag... I'm back in this. She mixed her next bag and he ended up winning that one. So that one was really, really big, but it was really a specific shot for me. That really is what was the difference between him winning and losing that tournament. I didn't know he was so good at this, but he has a nasty reverse cut and I almost wouldn't even call it a reverse cut. So most people throw a, a, a naturally tilted bag that moves right to left. He has that but he can move that slightly to the other side in the reverse position. He's able to slightly move bags left to right on a standard shot. And it was so huge at getting around blockers inside arm and collecting bags off the left. It was responsible for a lot of key points for him and really a big reason why he won. So let's go Carson. He's your open number seven champ. Congrats to that guy for, uh, for singles niche. All right, well, let's go into doubles. We had the Zazueta brothers, which you guys haven't mentioned yet, um, did really, really well and uh, took first in doubles. And then Caleb Batson and Eddie Grindersleeve take second. Do you want to just roll into doubles there, Anthony? Yeah, sure. So uh, Turpin, I wanted to mention Turpin. This dude looked really, really good in doubles. Well, and singles for that matter. He was the muscle in his partnership with, with Franklin. Together, they had a good run, pretty good run. A signature win over Camba and Halbert. Halbert, thank you, bro. I've been saying all year, nothing really overly impressive yet out of Halbert until this weekend. This is the top 10 Halbert we know and we expect to see to come out at every event. No one scored. No one scored more points against their opponent in the entire tournament other than Tanner Halbert and Nico Morellis. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. It just blew up the DPR. Uh, Halbert was really the muscle in his in his partnership with with uh, Camba. 
Now, Canvas shot well, and ultimately they took fifth in their bracket. Some surprises for me. Stevens and Morellis, ninth in their bracket. I was really expecting them to finish a little deeper in that particular open audience. Caden Allen and Philip Lopez, ninth in their bracket. Obviously, first place talent worthy. I, I expected them to go a little bit deeper. And then Foreman and Creek Killer, ninth in their bracket. So those were some of the surprises for me. You mentioned Grindersleeve. Throw, let's throw Batson in there. They take down their bracket as they should. These are cream of the crop doubles teams. They were top 12 last season. I always enjoy watching them play, so it was good to see them run. But Mish, the champs, Moses and Peter Sasueta, mark one down for the West, Mish. We finally got one out of the West. What do you think about that? Let's go. I mean, obviously, the, this region has been talking about these guys for a long time. It's really nice to see that win for them. I've been dying to talk about a West Coast champ. Check this out. I found this stat kind of interesting, so I did a little history work. 16 opens last season. Not one doubles team out of the West. Five pro nationals last season. Not one doubles team out of the West. Fast forward to this year. We've had six opens this year. No doubles team out of the West. So we're creeping up to 30 events with no doubles team. The closest we got was kind of this little like half doubles team. We had West Coast, Vincent Frisch. He yeah. teamed up with East Coast, Devin Harbaugh. They took down open number four. But the Sasweta brothers finally getting one, ending that crazy For streak. all of us. Yes, no <laughs> doubt. And their first game is what made their entire tournament. They were down 19 to 12, the big time Bob Vonch and Ian Cripps. They scored a four, a three, and a two. Done to win that one, 21-19. And then from there, they just threw gas. They went on four straight wins. They only allowed single-digit points. They close it out against Windsor and Hicks in the second in the second scoop of the double dip. Um, and nothing fancy with these boys. I think their line is just really clean. They hit the airmail when they need it. They make good shot selections, and they remain – those boys remain extremely composed throughout the entire tournament. Mark down a ship for the West, Mish. We, find, we finally got one. I'm pumped about that. I am as well. All right, Trey, what do you got to add? Yeah, I know you, you pretty much touched on all of it. Um, it was good to see, uh, like like you said, someone from the West. Uh, it is it is Peter's second open win, though. He did get one in 2021 alongside Ty Lopez. So um, it's not that – you just had to go back one more year, Anthony, yeah. and you would have been good. Yep. <laughs> it wasn't a good yeah. streak, though, Trey. It was not a good streak. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me. So you had to go back two years to find that win with Lopez? Correct. Okay. Correct. <laughs> Dang it. All right. Well, we also had our women's champion, Yeti Irwan, seniors, Bob Vonch, and the blind draw, Nico Morales and Alex Hicks. Uh, so lots of good talent there on the open number seven. But also uh, getting into some news around the league, there's another big Can event. Can I talk women's real quick, Mish? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I just wanted to, hey, we got to give some recognition to both Yeti and Bella, I think. Bella killed it all weekend. Check this out. Second in women's singles, second in doubles with Alec Ryan, and second in her singles bracket. I talked about the game-saving airmail by Getty. She had the win in her grip. It was the miss right after the airmail. She almost took down an open bracket. And then Yeti. Uh, Yeti is, is working. Uh, I'm fortunate to watch Yeti's game grow really from the very beginning. I mean, I've been watching her play since I started. So fast forward to today. She's in almost every single tournament locally that she can get in every day of the week. She's consistently top three back here at home, and she's winning more and more than she ever has before. 
I'm fortunate. I get to play her probably like twice a month. I don't, I only get out a couple times, but it's always running into her deep in singles brackets. I know her game really well. For some, for some reason, our matches are always battles. So I get to test her. I get to see what she's capable of. So I'll do certain things just to see how her game is growing. Her airmail is getting pretty nasty. She's running bags better than she ever has before. And she's starting to get a little action. It's not pretty. I can't really figure out how it's working on her tilts and stuff, but it's predictable, which is important. She can throw something that's predictable. Um, I think she levels up her game if she can figure out how to deal with a level two blocker. That's really the way that I have to go in and play her. If I can put a block around level two, I know that I'm, and I get her to move in the box. I'm able to score in that round, but Hey, getting it done. Don't and you give mentioned her it. secrets away, Anthony. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> And uh, like you said, Trey, getting it done, going through Cheyenne twice is huge and a big win for Yeti. So congrats, congrats, Yeti. Absolutely. Uh, in the news around the league, there was another big event that was happening this weekend called Bag Mania that was happening in San Diego. A lot of uh, big names went out there to play in that. Uh, singles, Tony Smith took the win and doubles, Trey Birchfield and Alex Rawls. But another shout out to uh, Vincent Frisch and Adrian Brunson, another West team that uh they, they raised some hell for those teams. They made it really far. They got fourth out of a stacked uh, bracket there with a lot of pros um, and, and got some big wins there. So congrats to all those guys. And then there were some teams transactions. Missouri Mays dropped Elizabeth Tennyson and picked up Curtis Kearns. And the Texas Bully Baggers dropped Tucker Stills and picked up uh, PJ Sorrow. So uh, that's what's happening in the teams. Speaking of teams, you guys ready to get into some draft grades? Are you going to bore Do us it. with some, some bees, Trey? Uh, no, this is my most volatile of the different. Yeah, me too. Me too. Right, cool. This is a good one. Wait, this is a good get one. excited, everybody. It's going to be different. Yes. <laughs> be ready to be blown away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's start with the Texas Bully Baggers. What do you got? Ah, uh, yeah. So this is a team, one of my one of my few teams to get up into the A range. I have them as an A minus uh, for, for this. Um, Batson and Sims to get both. I think for their draft was a home run, right? We talked about AJ Sims possibly not being available uh, at their pick and for them to be able to get them, him and Badson, I think is just, is an absolute steal. Um, for them, when you talk about a Canva trade, uh, the Canva trade that they got, if I factor that in, because it happened mid draft, I got to think that's a steal. You got Jordan Canberra, a first round, a first round pick for your third round pick, right? Yeah. Throw out the door how you view it from the coaster's perspective of was Berkeley pair actually a first or a second round pick and they got him. I don't care about that. Throw that out. I'm talking just bully baggers. You had someone who's a former world champion, a first round pick that you got in the third round. So in my mind, you got three first round picks with your first three picks. Yeah, good call. Plain and simple. I mean, that's that's a that's a grand slam home run right there when you talk about draft grades. So um, then they could turn around and get Matt Stout, who's kind of coming off of this weird season where he kind of served a single suspension, but not a double suspension. And so uh, there's a lot of question marks there, but back when Stout was at his top, I mean, he was finishing top three in pro singles brackets. We're talking about a top 20, 25 player at some runs at nationals. And you don't need him to be a top 25 player. You got him in the fourth round, yeah. right? If he's a top 50, top 60 player, that's a steal. Never mind being a top 25, top 30 player. So I love one through four. 
You have some risk in here with Cameron Kingfisher and Josh Glover. Um, then you lose Tucker Stills because he withdrew from the division, who you had some, you know, um, had some depth late there. But overall, Kingfisher and Glover felt like a little bit of a risk there trying to play, especially with Kingfisher maybe a little too close to home. So that's maybe why I'm not an A, but I'm an A minus is just because there's some risk there with those middle picks to see if they pan out. And they very well could. And that could be something that ends up becoming a, a really big win for them. Overall, Bully Baggers, A minus. Anthony, agree? Yeah, actually aligned with a lot of those thoughts. You mentioned the one-two punch. Uh, you know, so we have an all-captains crew, Grindersleeve, Turpin, Monarca. They go, they go Texas, Texas for one-two. You already covered that. I think that was a good pickup. Uh, it was really the middle for me that I'm looking at closely on this grade, and I think it has a lot of potential, but so many question marks, but I think the upside is good. Matthew Stout, you mentioned that. A singles broadcast talent coming off a single suspension. What do we get from Stout next season? Cameron Kingfisher, one of the 32 out of the pro qualifier. Strong mechanics. I really like what, he's, what he brings to the game mechanically, but what do we get from this rookie pro Josh Glover, he's made a big name for himself in the game. I don't know him intimately, but I've asked around quite a bit on him. I've done a little bit of research, and the consensus is if Josh Glover can get out of his head and he can figure out the head game, he could be a really good player. So what do we get from him? And then Zach Stickney uh, was, was the end side of that middle. Um, some success on the big stage as a junior uh, with USA Cornhole. What does this young rookie pro bring to it? Um, and here's the thing. If the middle of that draft, Kamba and Stout play like the elite team that we've seen in the past, and then Kingfisher, Glover, and Stickney play to the potential I think they are, they're an A-minus team for me. But for right now, Mish, I'm thinking B to B-plus just because of the unknowns. All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's go on to Missouri Mays. Trey. <clears throat> Missouri Mays. Uh, I didn't like this one, Anthony. I didn't like it at all. Um, they get one of my lowest grades. I'm giving them a flat C. Um Ooh. And uh, part of the reason I give him a C is uh, I just – I felt like there was some regional reach here. Um, we'll, we'll go through it. I uh, The first turn, um, I get Bernaset and Kano. Actually happy with both of those, right? Steven Bernaset was a good pick, a solid pick. And then we talked about Gavin Kano going as early as five in some mock drafts that we did, Anthony, at least in the initial conversations. Yep. For him to drop and then be able to pick him up in the second round on your turn to get a one-two punch, that was a really solid start for me for the Missouri Maze. From there, I just don't love. Um, I thought the middle part of it, Yes, you want to fill out these – you want your team to have a regional vibe to it, right? But I felt like to an extent there was too much of trying to force regionality, have some Midwest players in there to really make that feel like a Midwest team. And as a result, they reached for some teams uh, or for some players. Wasn't in love with the middle part. Um, Lexi Hugeback, I love Lexi Hugeback. By the way, great article just came out on Lexi Hugeback on NPR. You should read it. But – uh, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> but it did, it fit, it was a weird, you know, she came, I thought a few hours, a few rounds early. And that was evident by the fact that right now, if you look at the consensus of who is a better player between Lexi Hugeback and Emily Downer, who are doubles partners this season, there's a lot of chatter out there that they're pretty even. Some people yeah. would take Downer over Hugeback, certainly. And so because of that, 
you took Lexi Huge back, and then you waited three rounds, excuse me, to take Emily Downer. For me, it just felt a little – I don't know why we felt like we needed to get Lexi Huge back in that specific round. Um, there was a few picks like that I didn't love. I give him a C. I'm, I'm interested to see Anthony's opinion on this one just because a lot of things didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe Anthony disagrees. Do you? Yeah, so captains Windsor, Herrera, Fuentes, like you said, that that 15th pick overall in the first round, Stephen Bernasette, I don't hate it. Uh, and we have to take into consideration, this is 2023 Bernasette, a committed pro player. That's going to be significant this year. We have to keep in mind these players that are committing to the game. That is their job. If we're thinking about 2022 Bernasette only, I don't like it. Um, but I think he's going to see a significant improvement this year. He now lives with Windsor. So that tells me, Windsor likes what he sees, and you can't tell me they're not playing a shit ton of head-to-head -head matches at the Windsor yeah. crib. So he's yeah. definitely getting the work in. Um, fourth overall, you mentioned Kano. I like it. I like Kano with Windsor from a doubles matchup. I think Bernaset fits nicely in with Fuentes. Maybe even Herrera. He could go either way. That makes a nice, interesting matchup there. Uh, interesting to note with Kano, they were going out and getting a slow bag player still in the field. They passed up on Frisch. Foreman, AJ Sims, Cobb, and Constanza. So they're putting a lot of value in Kano with those guys on there, and I still like it. I think Kano's going to be tough this season. For the most part, for the rest of the draft picks, and this is really third through the end, I didn't like it. I mean, you're not getting much value. In the third pick, they pick up Ethan Walker. You got Derek King and Kaylee Hunter out there. They pass. Um, two picks later, they pick up Jalen Jones. They got Brunson, Anderson, Vonch, Dave Sutton out there. They go with Jalen Jones. It was just kind of that theme all the way to the end. So I'm like, ah, what, what's going on here? Anthony Maybell in the seventh round, I think, was the only value they got out of that. So, Mish, and we don't talk about this beforehand. This is me and Trey scoring independently. I gave him a C also. Yikes. Well, hopefully they prove you wrong. How about the Chicago Land Spinners? Yeah, I think this was the more boring of all my draft grades. Uh, this is my B, solid, kind of in the middle of where we just were. Um, at least out of the gate, Poitras and McGuffin, another in incredible one-two punch, in my opinion. As I was looking back through this, we had both Poitras and McGuffin slated to be first-round picks. And in the end you get them first and second round with your two picks. I thought that was an absolute steal. I didn't see the spinners going after that. They went away from the regional bias and went for best available, and they got it. So I was really impressed with that one, too. Anthony's going to disagree with me here. I thought Anthony Vargas at three was a little bit of a reach. Um, I thought, and again, it's kind of that Shibner effect that we talked about with the Woodchucks when we gave their draft grade. I'm not saying Vargas is not a third-round talent, what I'm saying is there's not a lot of people that are going to value them the way that you do as an individual staff and an individual Agreed. team. So you, I think he very well could have been available in the next round simply by virtue of the fact that nobody else has really been keeping tabs on him that much. So Vargas, I have um, a little bit of a high, high risk, high reward. Jordan Kimbrell and Timmy Jonas based on where they were drafted. These are veteran players that have shown ups and downs. Now, as of right now, Jonas and Kimbrell are throwing very, very well. In regionals, they've been dominating, getting wins, I mean, in very tough places to play. So as of right now, it feels like a really good pick. 
But again, these are veterans that have gone through their own individual ups and downs. So for me, I think they're buying high right now. So you're just hoping that they continue to go up. If they come down a little bit, that's where that that grade can really be hurt and team success can be hurt. Overall, I give them a B. Anthony? Yeah, just talk about the captains real quick because I think it's significant there. So out of the gate, so you've got Mark Lopez, or excuse me, Mark Richards, Philip Lopez, and Nico Morellas as your captains. So out of the gate, I think the Chicago Land spinners uh, hugely benefit from Morellas's 102nd rank last season. So Richards and Lopez absolutely killed it. They finished 1-11. and 11. So to keep the captains level, Trey and team had to look out. Let's go grab a 100-plus player to keep the ranks pretty level. They grab uh, Morellas at 102. He is not 102 talent, and this is what I'm saying. I think he jumped 60 to 70 ranks as a top 30 to 40 player. So right out of the gate, I think your captain setup is really, really strong. Um, I like where they went in the first half. Better than the second half. I don't hate the second half, but I like the first half better. They go Poitras, McGuffin, Vargas, Kimbrell, Jonas, Karnick, Parham. Uh, you mentioned McGuffin in the second round. Um, I think that's value, getting him in the second round. Jonas in the fifth round, I think will show his value later by the time the season starts. I think Jonas jumps 60-plus ranks. He was way over 100. I think he jumps into the top 50 to 60 this season, so I think that pick will pay off dividends Although very unorthodox in mechanics, it's really not pretty. Um, really defying all the standard in pitching a bag. You got Steven S uh, Sanford out there at the 11th pick, but the dude fills up the hole. Uh, he was one of the yeah. 24 to come out of the open qualifier. I think he's value really, really deep coming out of the 11th round. Just kind of looking regionally. They were all over the map. I thought this was unique. 16 players, 12 different states. So region didn't matter. Um, but yeah, I'm right in line with what Trey was saying, Misha. I went B plus for the okay. Chicago Land Spinners. Last one is the Kentucky Colonels. All right, the Colonels, they got my best grade out of anybody. They got an A. Wow. No A minus. They got Congrats. an A. Okay. I was really, really happy with the Colonels. Um, I mean, it really felt like I could go through their entire what I would deem starting lineup. And you could say that that person could have been drafted the round before or multiple rounds before. Um, I think maybe their worst pick, and they're going to hate me for saying this, maybe their first one, right? <laughs> Taking Brett Guy at number one, and that's not that bad if Brett Guy has a bounce back season. If he has that, if he has his 2021 version, then Brett Guy at one uh, can still be a home run. But for me. I don't think he performed like he should have last year in order to do as well this year, but he did win a shootout championship in a round limited format, which is what they're going to be playing here. So mm -hmm. all that being said, whatever. From there, you get Nate Stevens, Tom Gustafson, Bob Vaunch, Dave Sutton, and Sam Finley. And I specifically remember, Anthony, we were going through this draft and every single I thought we we thought they were listening to us, right? Because or listening to they you. Were. Is, they were. <laughs> is because literally they go down. It's like all these players dropped a certain amount and they go, Well, I mean, I, I I gotta take them, right? I mean, if they're dropping this far, they you know, I can't let them go on for that long. So for me, they I think it was a slam dunk top to bottom. I didn't even mention Nate Voyer, Kevin Smith Jr. You know, a, a, a second half of the draft, you pick up that doubles team. Like, 
I understand some people run sub, rub some people the wrong way, but look, I mean, look, I thought this was a, I thought it was a slam dunk draft. No rookies on the entire team. I don't know if I don't like that. Um, maybe I don't like it. Maybe that's why I didn't give an A plus um, because they didn't have any young fresh talent that may be able to make a deep run. But overall, I find I find it very hard to find something I don't like about this team, Anthony. Did you give him an A, Anthony? Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to pick us up some time, Mish, because Trey literally rewrote <laughs> my rewrote all my notes here. Um, we are so aligned. The same grade. I went with an A. All of your points are my exact points. I'll just back up some of them. Your Brett Guy point. Brett Guy was the 68th ranked player, where Jimmy McGuffin was the 34th. But I do want to keep in mind this is a doubles limited round limited format, and that's where Brett Guy does succeed. But they elected to go with Brett Guy over Jimmy McGuffin. They were clearly going for a Kentucky player first. Both captains had vested interest. Matt Guy gets his son, but uh, I get that. I get that point there. And I just felt as we were going through the entire draft, Mish, when we were talking, we're like, "Why the heck are Vonch and Sutton still on this list?" And then, bam, the Kentucky Turtles pick them up. Same thing with Finley, Boyer, Glass. It was like these guys got to go. And then, bam, 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 they got them, and they got them at good value on each one. I thought Gustafson in the fifth round was, or in the uh, in in the uh, the thirty ninth pick overall was nice. He had the fifth highest PPR to the entire draft pool. Was picked 39th. I think that he'll do some work for him. But one one just final mention for our PPR junkies out there. I found this one interesting. Take the whole team. Every team on average take their average PPRs. The Kentucky Colonel has the highest average PPR at a 9.44 on average. And this wow. is significant when you compare them to some of the lows. The Woodchucks, an 8.96 on average. The Missouri Mays, an 8.99 on average. So bumping that up to a 9.44 compared to a high 8 is significant, whether you're a DPR or a PPR guy. Either way, that is significant. I thought I'd mention that. Strong A for me, Mish, for the Colonels. <laughs> I think we have a lesson here. If you want to get an A on your draft, just draft the people that, that you guys mention in the draft. <laughs> because that's you both said they listened to you and you gave them an A. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. We're, we're, we're egotistical. That's all. That's all. That's all we are. They listen. All right, you get an A. All right, let's move into overreaction Monday. Uh, is this an overreaction or not? We're gonna go just rapid fire through them. Are you ready? All right. Good. Glad you're ready. ready. <laughs> Thank you. Ian Cripps will be the highest performing 13-year-old this season. Hey, you know what? I, I think it's an overreaction, but <laughs> I will. And it's an overreaction because Jackson Gore is unbelievable right now. Correct. And I don't think anybody's going to beat Jackson Gore. But watch out, Alex Hicks. Uh-huh. I'm, just, I'm just saying. Anthony hates me for that by saying that out loud. I agree. But I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay. I Anthony. 100% agree. Overreaction. I agree with the watch out Alex Hicks comment, and I agree with the Jackson Gore comment. Overreaction. <laughs> okay. Carson Getty's a top 25 player. Uh, I, I have to call overreaction a little bit, but he's close, man. I mean, I just need to see it repeated. That's mm -hmm. you know how I am. I need to see repeat instances when players play at a really high level. He's not far away. That airmail. He's not going to have a 75% airmail at every tournament. That's the thing that worries me is that if that drops really low and he doesn't have as much success on an airmail, does that first place turn into a 13th place? I don't know. I'm going to say overreaction, but he's close. 
Anthony? Yeah, overreaction. You nailed it. It's all about consistency. We haven't seen that yet, but stay on that reverse action, that left to right. I think that 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 shot's going to do a lot of work for Getty this season. Cheyenne Bubenheim is in trouble throwing carpet. Uh, I, I mean, not an overreaction. I'll buy, you know, whatever game we're playing. I mean, you've already heard me rant. Like, I'm – I, I don't like it at all. So whatever whatever this game is, a, a, anti carpet with Cheyenne Bubenheim. If she's anything like me, this would make me want to throw a carpet even more. Because <laughs> I would be like, I don't, uh, oh, you, <laughs> oh, Anthony. Uh, uh, I haven't had this bag in my hand yet. I mean, are we talking about like a pro advantage, just nasty, sticky, like you know? Uh, yeah. Like uh, that type of a carpet? Or are we talking something a little bit more action? Like wizard? Like it felt it felt wizardy more to okay. me. Now I don't know. He did say shag contrast, so I don't know if the shag that I threw at Spencer McKenzie's, which was like a shag attack, I'm not sure yet if that shag attack is very similar to the shag contrast, or if it's a completely different carpet. If they came out with something different, not entirely sure. But if it is the same, I believe it's more of a wizardy. That that makes me feel a little bit better, but still, I think it's a I think it's a uh, an overreaction. Not, not oh, an overreaction. In trouble. Not an yeah. overreaction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bob Vonch is a top three senior. Uh, I think it's an overreaction. Um, okay. I think your shoe wins are Frank Modlin and Damon Dennis. I could, I I mean that that's that's easy. If I throw in a Jimmy McGuffin, if I throw in a Bill Hadley. Yes, can Bob Vonch sneak in there and win one of those? And he won a national last year, so he's shown he can compete. I just, I don't know. My my gut tells me it's it's a, an overreaction. I'd still think stick with Maudlin Dennis. Okay, Anthony. Yeah, he it's an overreaction for me too. He's just missing missing. He's a one dimensional guy, and we think that all the seniors are one dimensional, but they're not. McGuffin has a nasty elite level block game, and he will airmail you to death over a block. We see Damon Dennis cutting bags and using both the stick and slick side of his bags, mostly slick, but he has the ability to get action on the board. And Frank Maudlin, the dude is hopping and rolling over bags now. So he they have a little bit more in their in, in their they have a deeper bag, essentially. Um, yeah. so I'm gonna say overreaction, not top three. The Zazueta brothers are a top 15 team this year. I'm gonna say it's an overreaction again. I still feel like it's Getty similar. Oh, right now, still in the words. You're still in the words. <laughs> yeah, similar to Getty. I'll I'll say I'll say it's close, but no cigar. Overreaction. Anthony, what agree? Trey said. What Trey okay. said. Yeah, ditto. Got it. All right, let's get into board bets. Uh, we have the odds for man of the year, woman of the year, and team of the year. Let's talk about some ones you like or don't like, and we'll start with women. Women of the year, Trey. Yeah, woman of the year. Um, I think the big standout to me here is uh, uh, is is got to be Rosie Streaker at twenty five hundred. Right? If I could I mean, bet, I would put all my money on that. <laughs> but real quick, when think, we when we say woman of the year, is that uh, is that world champ number, or is that number, number one in points? One ranked number okay. one ranked female in pro single standings at the end of the season. Got you. So. Um, so, for example, when you talk about team of the year, Mark Richards and Philip Lopez were the team of the year last year, even though they lost the world championships to Jay Rubin and Jordan Power. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, for me, I see Rosie Streaker as a, so. There's only one person that's going to win this. 
I, I based on what I just saw this weekend, you know, I'm not taking Cheyenne right now. Her and I are not on talking terms, right? Especially Until with a, a minus 350. <laughs> <laughs> Especially a minus 350. Um, I really like Sam. Um, no, sorry. I really like Rosie Streaker at 2,500. And I like Yeti Irwan at 1,500. Um, Sarah Cassidy, I think, you know, could be a good play there. I think Kaylee Hunter's about where she should be. All ties the same, fiddling the same. But I think Rosie Streaker is the, the 2,500 value right here. Anthony? Yeah, I mean, should mention <clears throat> with Cheyenne being, she's the only negative in this, mm -hmm. meaning you got to bet a lot of money to win some money. The women's division is deep. I really don't like that bet. I mean, to, to, to what is yeah. that? To bet 100 to win 35 bucks? Um, yeah, kind of looking a little deeper. I mean, placing this is placing a bet today for how it ends up at the end of the season, right, Trey? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I like Rosie Streaker, you know, 25 to 1. Is that bet bet a hundred win twenty five hundred right? That's yep, that's a exactly. that's a pretty nice bet. Mm -hmm. I feel like Streaker is so to note Finley is actually twenty to one. Streaker is twenty five to one. Right now, I like Streaker better. I think you're going to get better odds right now. She's playing a little bit better than Finley, but yeah, I do not like the negative on Cheyenne. I, I wouldn't bet that one. No. All right, let's go into a uh, man of the year, Trey. <laughs> Yeah, me, um, I see Alex Rawls. You know how I feel. I think Alex Rawls is the best player right now. So if he's not number one, I like that bet on him because I think he should be. Mm -hmm. um, so I like him there. Uh, Josh Holland is worrying me recently. I don't love that. I love Devin Harbaugh at 1,200, right? We're talking about him possibly being the best player, uh, one of the best players in the world right now. So I really love that. I also love Kyle Malone at 3,500. He's one of those other really hot players right now that you're going to get for a good value until they win at a national level in singles. So those those are the, the two I'd be looking out for for some really good values. Agreed. I think Kyle Malone jumped out on the page to me. What do you got, Anthony? Yeah, I'm looking at this live with you guys too. I mean, kind of low risk, I agree. The My favorite low risk bet of this, you got Richards at 4-1, to one. Graham at six to one, Rawls at six to one, Guy at seven to one. I like Rawls the best in that six to one. Uh, I would, I almost want to go bet that. Uh, are we allowed to bet, Trey? We are not allowed to bet. <laughs> You're not Dang allowed it. to bet. Dang it. It's been confirmed. All right. Um, yeah, but I agree. Uh, if I kind of go down, that's your kind of your low risk more for sure. If I go way down there, love Malone at 35 to one, 100 bucks to win 3,500. Are you sure we're not allowed to bet? Because I would bet that one right now. <laughs> I would take Rosie would. Stricker and Kyle Malone right now. Make some I'm money. I'm saying. I'm <laughs> saying. That's all I got, Mish, but I'm saying. All right. Doubles. What do you got, Trey? Doubles. This this feels pretty good, right? Um, I feel like this one's a little bit harder. I actually like the – I think everything's appropriately, you know, leveled here. And, and the markets are right here for the first – few in there i mean here for me i'm looking for someone that that can kind of be a sleeper to actually win the whole thing at these lower values maybe tony smith and jacob trzinski can be a team like that um we haven't seen a ton of noah almanza and duncan clemmer that might be someone to lay something on maybe even as i'm looking in here jimmy humans and kyle malone again feels like a lower amount the, the zazueda brothers are down there at the bottom so this one feels a little bit more up in the air. I like the Wooten Thorn at 3,500. What about you, Anthony? 
Yeah, maybe I'll look at it in the reverse, starting at the bottom. Like, what's a good long shot bet? Everything starts at 60 to 1. Ferreira Johnson, I wouldn't bet it at 60 to 1. Stranger Reynolds, I mean, you're talking about something that has to actually happen. <laughs> Trevor Brooks and Bernaset, 55? Maybe. I, I mean, that's 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 the best long shot I've seen so far compared to like a pair Avery at the same. No. Uh, the Sasueta brothers who just won the open also 55 to one. I like Bernaset and Brooks is like a super long shot. Ryan and Ryan father, son, 55 to one. They got close to winning an open, right? I think they were like mm -hmm. second or third. I like Bernaset Brooks for the best long shot. 55 to one. 10 bucks okay. to win 550. Let's go. Yeah. And Dennis McGuffin at 3,500 seems like a good one as well. All right. That's all we got for that. Let's move into our holy hot takes. You got a hot take, Trey? I do. Uh, Winter Haven Open, the last time we see carpet in Cheyenne Bubenheim's hands. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Cheyenne, if you're anything like me, you'll just want to double down. <laughs> all right. Anthony, how about you? I'm going to go off of the uh, man of the year with the board bets here and uh, 35 to one Kyle Malone hot take. He's number one. If you got a hundred bucks out there, bet that, bet that. I think that's worth it. That was actually going to be mine. So I'll go with Rosie streaker. I think it's a, it's a great bet. And like I said, if I could, I would, <laughs> but so there we got, we're going to make you guys some money. So you're welcome. Um, and that's all we have time for. We'll see you guys all next time.